Hi, I'm Vanessa Anderson. And I'm Stephanie Cooley. It's time to give ourselves a moment to be real, to express all of motherhood. Mothering is beautiful. It's wonderful. And you know what? It's fucked up too. Come hang out with us. We're the real motherfuckers. You got a zit? Wrinkles? Spots? Hair in unwanted places? Or do you just want to treat yourself? We know a place that will hook you up. For our listeners in North County, San Diego, Avo Aesthetics Med Spa gives customers the personalized touch to reach their beauty goals. As owner Melissa Starica says, find the best version of yourself. Seriously, guys, customers get solid skincare treatment, but they also go to Avo Med Spa because they know they'll feel safe, have a good time, and get an authentic, personalized experience. Go to avomedspa.com. That's avomedspa.com. We have a guest today, and we'll be quite honest, this is our take two with her because of us, our technical difficulties. So she's already doing mom stuff with us because we're going to try again. So thank you for your patience with us. But I also wanted to add before, Janina is an artist. Okay, this is how I came to know her. She is an artist at Seoul. She's a photographer. She paints beautiful paintings. She is just... I felt like I knew your soul before I met you because I saw your work and I think she's a beautiful person, um, inside and out. Um, and you mentioned that she took your photographs. She, she did. So uh, it's a good thing we did take two cause I've been wanting to say this. You took some of my most special moments of my life and you captured them on film and they're all over my house still. Um, I, it was my pregnancy. Um, she took my maternal photos and she also took my first family photo with my whole family. So that's a moment that I'll always have in my heart, and I'm glad it was you. And I remember seeing that photo. You look yeah. hot. <laughs> she made me look yeah, hot. Yeah, you made her look hot. <laughs> she's wonderful. <laughs> um, so here she is. She's um, part of my family. She is um, my aunt's stepdaughter, and I am very blessed to have her when I get to see her, maybe once a year or whenever that is. But um, <laughs> she's here to share a very dear story. And she's doing it for the second time on our podcast in the last 10 minutes. So um, appreciate this. But her story starts with meeting a beautiful man. Um, I feel like when I saw you with him in your photos that you share on social media, it was just like obvious that you were in love and that he was in love with you. And beautiful spark that you both have transcends through the lens for sure. And it's beautiful to see. You guys were... Um, had been married and had the natural progression of having um, a pregnancy together. And you happen to have twins. Um, and unfortunately, there was a doctor visit that changed your life or a series of them that changed your life forever and the lives of those around you. And thank you for sharing the facts of your story and also the emotional journey that you've gone through that ha- that's happened to you that's been life-changing forever, I feel. So thank you again for being here and doing this for Take Two. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so can you tell us um, what is TTTS um, and how you came to know about what it is when you went to see that doctor visit? Yeah, so TTTS stands for twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. Um, it was pretty much the first time I had heard about it, but it did ring a bell because I knew that someone I went to high school with had twins as well and had some issues. So I reached out, got to know a little bit more from her. Um, but a lot of the education came from the doctors and then also me doing my own research. Um, I read a lot about it and, It's basically something that happens with identical twins only. And it's when the twins share a placenta and their blood vessels are shared. And one baby is a donor and the other one is a recipient. So the donor is giving, giving a lot of blood pumping over there. And then the other baby is just receiving and taking it all. So what happens is it creates kind of like an imbalance and one of the babies has is surrounded by a lot of amniotic fluid and the other one is kind of 
swimming around and a lot less. Mm -hmm. Um, so it could be really dangerous because it's important for them to have a good amount of amniotic fluid around them. Um, so yeah, that's how I found out. And what they also told me was if it does progress and get worse and the smaller baby is pretty much like, doesn't have any fluid is kind of shrink wrapped. You need to go get an emergency surgery. They told me there's only three doctors in the United States that perform this fetal surgery, which was like crazy to hear. Um, but we are lucky to find out that there is one in Los Angeles that was close by. And then I found out the friend from high school actually went to the same exact doctor. I think it was like seven years prior when he first started doing the surgery itself. So, I mean, I felt in good hands, but I was scared like to know I might have to have a surgery. Right. And what, yeah. did, what does that entail? Cause we didn't get into that. What yeah. does that surgery entail? What did they have to do to you and the baby? What's so, you mind hearing? Yeah. So that what well, I found out that at 16 weeks and then you have to wait because the surgery, they don't really want to perform until 18 weeks. Okay. So at my 17 week appointment, cause I was going weekly for ultrasounds, they're keeping like mm -hmm. a really close eye. Actually I was going twice a week at this point cause they're worried. Um, they said, okay, we need to refer you up there. You need to go. And that was on a Monday. So then right away, me and my husband were like looking at hotels. We needed to go the next day. Cause that's when the doctor, um, did his consultations on Tuesdays. And then I believe he performed surgery like the next day. He only did surgery like the same time, same day every week. Mm -hmm. So I went up there. We had some really tough talks. The doctor's incredible. Um, Dr. Shazmite, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, he did an ultrasound up there. He went over the surgery, what it entails. So basically you're awake when you're having the surgery, by the way. So that oh, was wow. really scary. Yeah. Um, so you're laying down, they basically have, it's almost, it reminded me of like one of those metal straws and close to your belly button. They basically like you're awake. They puncture right through. You can mm. feel it. And then they put a laser down and the laser goes straight to the placenta. And while he's in here, you can see this screen, which is it's very surreal because you're awake. He's talking to you. He's telling you what's going on and he can see the babies and he's like talking to them. Him, him and his staff are very like, you know, they do this all the time. So they're like, Hey baby move. And one of the babies like kept kicking the camera because they have to put a camera. Oh, in. Gosh. Yeah. And he took pictures of them when he was in there. So like, it's very rare that you get an actual picture of them, like in their. Oh, wow. Room. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the real picture of them not yeah. seeing it through an ultrasound. That is, yes. Yeah. I got the pictures. So anyways, they put, get the laser and you can hear him counting. He's counting the blood vessels that he can find that are linked between the two babies. Wow. And he takes a laser and he basically like cauterizes, like cuts the laser. So it separates them. So he's going through and separating each blood vessel that's connected so that they can be like on their own as far as like their blood supply. And the reason for this is because say if one baby, like if I didn't have the surgery, first of all, I would have lost the pregnancy 100%. Like that was a fact. Yeah. Second, the surgery, um, if one baby passed away, the other one would be okay because it was on its own blood supply. So if I didn't have the surgery as well, if one passed, the other one would immediately suffer and pass. So wow. the surgery like saved the whole pregnancy and both are one baby. Like you just didn't know. Um, and when he went in to do the surgery with the camera in there, that's when he found out that's when I kind of knew I had the SIGUR, which is the selective interuterine growth restriction. And he said, one of the babies has 20% of your placenta and the other one has 80%. Oh, 
So basically one of them was plugged in like at a really good spot. And then the other one was like at the edge that wasn't getting a lot. And he said, at this point, um, the smaller baby has 40% chance of even surviving the surgery. So that was very hard. But of course, we're like, 40% is not bad. That's good. Um, And you're you're under this. This is during the surgery still, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then they said right after the surgery, you're going to have an ultrasound just to kind of see. But he said a miracle happened right when he like did the surgery and separated them. He saw that baby A, which is like the smaller one, her fluid started like already like filling up like immediately in her her bladder started filling up too because that's another indicator like their bladder always needs to have urine in it and he said it was like immediately like she took the surgery well the ultrasound the next morning heartbeats both there very strong very good um and the surgery was successful so that's kind of what the surgery entailed. I only had to be in the hospital overnight for one night. And then I went home the next day. However, the hole that they puncture is there throughout the whole pregnancy. So imagine like a balloon filled and there's a hole in it. So you have to be super careful. Like I wasn't allowed to pick up groceries, do laundry, walk around. Like I was on bed rest at 18 weeks. Wow. I had no idea. I had no idea. You probably can't I can imagine you can't take baths maybe even or go in a pool because it couldn't get infected. Is that, is that, or am I wrong? Yeah, you can't take, I mean, the, eventually the incision heals, like mm-hmm. it'll heal okay. so nothing can go in, but you don't want to like bend over. Like I just was always scared it was going to like pop or something or. It was yeah. Like, well, or cause leak. you're naturally growing this way. So it's a going against the hole, yeah. you know? Wow. Yeah, so that happens to people where it, it could burst. Oh and my like, god. Yeah. I didn't so even think scary. about that part. I mean, you you had to that's a lot. Just what you just said to your, take in. Your first time pregnancy, finding out you had twins, then finding out you had all these, then going through a surgery, all the while you're having double morning sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a trooper. Yes. You are, mama. Yeah, it taught you me are. a lot. I wasn't allowed to walk or anything, so it was rough. And you are so physical. Like, that mm-hmm. must have just, like, killed you. Like, I know that you like to exercise a lot, so that must have been, like, oh, my God. You had to, like, sit with a lot, too. Yeah. God. I'm about to gain a lot of weight because I can't move. <laughs> I know. I, I, you look beautiful. I mean, you would look beautiful throughout your photos, I felt. Yes. Um, so your own action plan moving forward. You had to be bedridden and you said, you know, earlier you had a lot of moral support that got you through this. Can you let our listeners know what that was, please? Yeah. Um, so my biggest support was my mother and of course my husband. They were at every doctor's appointment. Um, after the surgery, I had still the continuous doctor's appointment to monitor like how the surgery went, see the baby's growth, all that. But like what I was saying, I'm optimistic and, you know, a realist. So I was always reading articles, looking at trying to find like other mothers that went through it. It is pretty rare. It doesn't happen that often. So it was hard to find like similar stories that had both. Yeah. You know, like someone that had the 80-20 split and then also TTTS and the chances of survival and all that. But my number one um, support was really like my faith, faith and family, um, just praying every day. Um, my family praying, um, you know, people constantly calling me to pray with me. Um, I know some people brought me like holy water and some people like prayed for me in different churches around the world when they were traveling and, um, just basically I was talking to the, to the babies, like talking Mm -hmm. to both of them. They already had their names. Um, it was Gianna and Liliana. So I talked to them both, had their nursery set up, had, you know, custom things made for them, just manifesting, like having them with me, like 
we were doing going through this together, you know, the, yeah. three, the three girls. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Was yeah. there ever a moment where you just let yourself freak out or did your faith and family really help you keep, keep going and be level-headed? And it was a mix. I mean, I have yeah. days where I would be crying, like, yeah, you know, I'm just every day going to the doctors was really hard because it was never like great positive news. It was just kind of like, everything's okay. Like, let's just see how it is next week. There was never like a guarantee. So mm -hmm. every week, like having to go to the appointment, I was just like, what's going on? I need to know, you know? Yeah. Um, Did you ever get news from the doctor in which you had to make decisions and make tough ones at that? Very, yeah, very tough decisions. Um, so after the surgery, like even four or five weeks later, everything was great. Like both babies were growing. One of them was still a little bit bigger, like a head, but they were still growing. And then there was a point like at, I think six or seven weeks after the surgery where they noticed one of them wasn't like growing as much. Like she kind of was like stable, like flat. So at this point I was, I think like 22 or 23 weeks pregnant. So we had to talk about, okay, what are the options here? Mm -hmm. um, it was getting dangerous where I had to decide, do we want to pull both babies out early? Um, and that was, we were trying to reach, how many weeks was that? We were trying to reach 26 or 27 weeks to pull them out. I think that's what it was. It might've been earlier. But um, they had me meet with the NICU at Sharp Memorial, um, Mary Birch. And I had like a special like meeting in their boardroom at the NICU to basically see what the new cue, see what it's all about. And I met with like their head nurse about what my future was going to look like being in the NICU. So that was really hard. Like, probably going to start crying. Um, it's all right. We're here me for you. and my husband were like crying because you see the little babies are like one pound and like two pounds. So it's really hard to see. So yeah, they're giving me the options. Like if we get them out early, they're going to be very small, like one and a half pounds or something. And they say like babies are super resilient and like they have a very good, um, I don't know, statistics, like as far as babies coming out that early of their survival rate was mm -hmm. very good. And Mary Birch NICU is like one of the best NICUs in the country. Like if a baby is in bad condition somewhere else, they get like helicoptered over to this NICU. So I was very confident with the team there. So those meetings are really hard because the baby was like struggling. And I was like, I just needed her to make it to this many weeks because I want to get both of them out. But mm -hmm. um, the risk was if you get them out that early, they can have like really bad um, you don't know if they're going to have like mental disorders because they're not fully developed. Mm -hmm. So that was like another thing. Like, do I want to take them out early to like have both of them? But then I may have to have like, they may have disabilities, you know? So I was kind of on board to get them out early, but then like weighing out those risks because you want them to have like a quality life, you know, like you want them to be healthy. You want them to grow as much as they can because it's safer when they're inside of you growing naturally. Um, because in the NICU, it's just a little bit different. Like, yeah, they're giving them more nutrients because um, they can give them like um, a feeding tube and like oxygen and that, like for the baby that wasn't getting enough, it would have been better for her to get more, you know, nurturing and nutrients outside of the womb but then the you're taking it away from the other baby that was doing okay so those were the tough decisions they're like do you want to get them out early like they kept kind of pushing like we should get them out because they're worried and then I was just so at the end of the day we decided let's wait till she gets a little bit bigger before mm -hmm. we do that so 
that was the tough decisions at that time. Yeah, especially because it sounds like they were urging you to do one thing. And they always tell you, you have the choice. Uh, but they always kind of like slide in, this is what we recommend, but it's really up to you. And that's the scary part is when it's really up to you. You know, sometimes I feel like when making hard decisions, I'm like, I just wish someone can choose for me, but you've got to choose for yourself and your babies. Mm-hmm. And your partner too, you know, your part, our partners have, right. It's, exactly. our, it's our body and we're doing it, but it's like your partnership. It's you your made, babies together. So you decided those yeah. hard conversations together that will impact all of you. Yeah. So that, that, made you stronger I think together as a couple I hope you know I mean that's some tough stuff thank you for sharing that moment that hurts I'm I'm sorry that you've had to go through that um I can feel you I just I love you so much thank you for sharing that part so once you um had that procedure you have this information you visited the NICU you kind of know what's going to be coming up what happened after that, if you do not mind sharing? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we were waiting <clears throat> for the babies to get a little bit bigger, just to kind of still see, like, what are we going to do? Like, it wasn't 100% planned. Like, if she would, if we got to a point where they were both bigger, then I would have said, let's take them out. So while we were waiting for that week where they said, I forget the number. I don't know if it was like 24 weeks that they wanted me to get to. While we were waiting, we went to a doctor's appointment and it was right after Thanksgiving with the family. And that is when we went and the ultrasound tech came in. She started doing her thing. I became an expert at ultrasound. So I kind of knew something wasn't right. She quickly just kind of had a, a weird excuse. She's like, I need to go to the back office. I forgot to turn like a computer on or something like that. Me and my husband were like, hmm. literally within like a minute, the doctor comes in, which is like, that never happened. And the doctor said, I'm sorry to let you know, but your baby's a heart stopped. So that was... um at that point, no, I was uh, 26 weeks, like about six and a half months already in my pregnancy. So the doctor proceeded and I said, you know what, I need a minute. So we left and me and my husband just started like bawling immediately because it's like we just lost. It was Gianna. So that was like the worst state of my life. Um And then eventually the doctor came back and um, proceeded with the ultrasound. But since that happened, we had to go to the hospital like right away to make sure the other baby was okay. Because even though the surgery was supposed to like save the other baby from like anything happening, if this happened, we needed to ensure that the surgery was successful and that the baby was going to be okay. So then... We went to the doctor. We had to check into the triage and let them know. They knew exactly what happened because my doctor called them and they're like, yeah, let's get you in right away. So then I had to do um, the stress monitoring for like two hours, you know, where they strap your belly and they want to listen to the heartbeat and all that. So I had to sit there for a long time. It was kind of like the readings were kind of all over the place. I think she was a little bit stressed. Um, and then also I had to go to the bathroom and that like messes up the test. (laughs) So, um, I was there for a while and I had like work that day, by the way, I work like a Monday through Friday job as well. And I was still working. Um, so they said, okay, everything looks like, okay. At this point, that baby hasn't been affected. She's okay. So then after that, we just went home and continued the pregnancy. And that was three days, yeah, 72 hours before the baby shower. And I had this huge baby shower. Like our baby shower was like if we had a wedding, because it was like a big deal. Like 
and everything was twins. And at this point, I mean, I still have twins, but one of them, you know, is not going to be joining us. And I didn't tell anybody because I'm like, I can't tell anyone at this baby shower. You know, it was like too hard, not the right timing. Oh my gosh. That must've been so, so hard for you to yeah, like go through good. that. I'm so sorry that something know. so joyous was kind of half there for you because of that news. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So I had to put a smile on my face and like how I got through it was this is a celebration of like her life and us like remembering her and like things like that. Um, so that was tough. And yeah, we had to go out th throughout the pregnancy. And of course, I'm sure you guys are wondering, like I had all the questions, like what's going to happen from here, you know? Um, I wasn't sure what was going to happen to her because I was so far along. So basically what happens is she's still like, I'm still carrying her through the whole pregnancy. I have to have a stillbirth, like I'm still having twins. Um, because I guess if it happens earlier in your pregnancy, what happens is, is that your body like absorbs it. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, yeah. It absorbs it. Um, but in my case, she was already like, like, you know, she was already fully developed and we could talk about those kind of options, like in the conversation later. Yeah. yeah. No. So my God, no, this, so the, the next couple of months, I mean, did you go full term or did you have to do this emergency? Another um, emergency happened. Okay. Okay. Another thing happened. Oh my gosh. And you don't have to talk about this anymore if this is too much. No, I can. I can. It's, it's important to me because I want to be like an advocate of like this and like for other women if it happens to them. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate that. And when I saw your post about this cause. Um, that's what made us reach out to you because I have never known anyone to go through such a hard pregnancy as you did. And thank you for being so open about it because like we said earlier, there is someone out there. It could have been you that could be listening to this today. And um, thank you for being brave and reliving very hard moments. I really appreciate it. So if you don't mind taking your time on you know, what happened in the pregnancy next. We're here for you. Take your time. Thank you. And I'm definitely getting my weeks mixed up. So we'll have to fact check that later because I'm forgetting like all the weeks. Okay. So going through the pregnancy, um, you know, just day by day, you know, realizing what's happened, having really bad days, having okay days. Um, and then one night I went to the restroom and I noticed like, there's like a brownish discharge. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, did my water break? What is this? And it was very light. So I went back to bed, but of course, like, since I saw that my head is like, you know, spinning. And I'm like Googling, like, what is this, you know? And then I had uh, the triage's phone number to call. And it was in the middle of the night, like one in the morning. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to call. And I kind of I told my husband, but he's like, well, let me know. He was just like, let me know what you want to do. Like, I can take you. And I'm like, I think I'm okay, but let me just call. So I called them. I told them what was going on. They're like, let's just have you come in. So we could check it out to see if any, if it's anything serious. So I think around three in the morning, we went into triage. We go in, we wait in the lobby, and then they call me in. And at this point, I'm going to the bathroom more and like more stuff's coming out. Just like this gross, slimy, brown stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if this is my mucus plug. I don't know what this is. And this is like super early because her due date was supposed to be March 11th. And at this point, it was only like the beginning of January. Like, yeah, very beginning of January. So then they're trying to figure it out. They were, you know, up in there looking at the liquid. They're like, 
I'm not sure if it's your mucus plug. I don't, they didn't know what it was actually. So at this point, they're like, you need to stay here. And I'm like, oh, I was not prepared for this. Even though I, yeah, I had the nursery prepared, of course. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't mentally prepared. And I told my work like when I was planning on taking leave and it was way not time. So then I'm communicating with them saying like, I'm in the hospital. I don't know what's going on. Thankfully, my work was very supportive throughout this whole entire thing. Um, so I was there, I stayed the night and then they said, we're going to go ahead and admit you. You're going to have to be a resident like before you give birth, which means I could be there for like a month. Yeah. I have to live there. Can't go home. Can't go home anymore at this point. So then I get to my room and At this point, I started getting contractions, like little contractions. And the doctor came in. She looked in there again. And they had to be very careful because of like infection. Because she she went in there and this doctor like instantly know. She's like, you had a rupture. What's going on is this is baby A's bag. The baby that had passed away, her bag had um, ruptured and started leaking. So what happens is when your like water breaks or the bag breaks, it ignites your body and activates it to go into labor. It thinks you need to go into labor. So when you're having twins, it doesn't know like which, you know, baby. So what happened was the baby that passed her bag ruptured and then it thought, okay, other baby, it's time to get her out. So that's why my contraction started and they were, they didn't give me any water or food because we had to be prepared if we had to do a C-section the next day. So this was like totally not planned. So then the whole goal was we need to stop your contractions. So they put me on magnesium, which is supposed to help with that. Had me on an IV and magnesium is not fun. It like makes you feel very like sick and drowsy. And they put me on antibiotics because now that my the bag ruptured, all this stuff is like floating around in there and can cause like infection for the other baby. Um, so they had to do stress test every hour, like around my belly and then just keeping an eye counting contractions. I was still getting like contractions, but they slowed down like a lot. So that was good. I didn't have to do the C-section the next day. So I hung in there, they're able to stop. We had to keep doing the monitoring every day, every hour. And I was in the hospital for over, over two weeks. And while I was in the hospital, I developed um, cholestasis. Do you guys What's know that? what that is? No, no, no. You're, you're educating us yeah. on so many things. So many things. <laughs> I was no. getting like, yeah, the edge case for everything. It was like, the only thing I didn't get was the, um, what is it? The diabetes or no? Yeah. yeah the digestive diabetes. Yeah. That was the mm-hmm. only thing I passed. I was like, thank God I didn't get that. God. Um, so cholestasis. God threw you a bone one time. What? <laughs> God threw you a bone one time. You know, <laughs> so cholestasis it affects your liver. Is it your liver? Yeah, your liver. And it doesn't quite filter your bile. So and it only it only happens during pregnancy. So as soon as you give birth, it goes away on its own. But the problem is, is that it was affecting my liver and it was like it could be permanent liver damage. And one of the side effects is um, you get really itchy, like from head to toe, you feel like ants are crawling all over you. You're super itchy. Some women also get like hives and like red patches. I didn't get the hives, but I was extremely itchy. So it created like a lot more anxiety, just being in the hospital, like being itchy all day. So I had to be put on medication 
for it, which wasn't really working. It was taking a long time to like kick in. And then I had to like put all these special lotions all over me to stop the itchy kind of like when you get mosquito bites, like that stuff you put on. Yeah. So I was miserable. I was breaking down in the hospital, like crying. Like I would have visitors every day that would stay with me all day because I could only have one visitor. Like my husband can come and go, but as far as another visitor, I can only have one, like one, like it couldn't be like one person all day switching in and out. It had to be like a single person. So my mom and family kind of like rotated and coordinated and helped with that. And then also Sharp Mary Birch, like their staff is amazing. Like they had a social worker come in. They're constantly checking on your like mental health. They had like pet therapy. Like I had like dogs come in and cuddle with me. They had, yeah, they had art classes that I joined like other pregnant women. So I was on a floor where they call like, they call like keep the baby in. Like, so everyone on that floor has like, they're just trying to keep the baby in as long as possible before getting him out. That That's kind of cool that you got to be with someone going through the same thing and yeah. you got your art. Yeah. Your soul. Well, it, they're little tidbits of whatever they can do to keep you you know, sane and because obviously you want mama to be happy. So baby is, you know, cooking in there well. And when, you know, I, I'm really happy I'm, to hear I'm about impressed. something that, that like that exists. Yeah, I'm impressed. It's very helpful. And then, um, my little dog came and visited, but I, I went outside to like, go see her. So that was nice. Cause that was Aww. like, you know, baby. yeah, she's your first baby. Um, yeah, my first baby. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it was, it was really good to meet other moms. There were some moms that were there like even longer than me that were like there for like a month for other reasons. Like some people just had, um, like, um, what is it called when your blood pressure is really high? I forget what it's called. I should know what that is. Is it that hyperclampsia or something like that? Yeah. Preclampsia or something. Or yeah, they had all different kinds of things. Um, so I was still having the ultrasounds. They were keeping an eye on her. She was healthy and strong. Her heartbeat was good. And she was actually um, pretty big for my gestational age. Like she was a big preemie. So I was like, she's going to not be in the NICU very long. Like I know she's big. Because I think the last ultrasound, they were saying she was like six pounds already like six pounds and something ounces. And I'm like, oh, that's like a really good size. Um, I think now that I'm trying to remember, I think I was, yeah, I was 26 weeks in like four days when I had the C-section. So going a little bit backwards, the doc, my doctor would keep coming in and ask like, how are you doing? Let's make it to 27. And by last, this point, like I told you, I was struggling, like being in there, itchy, anxiety, all this. And I planned to have her on 123.23 because I'm like, that's a cool date. Let's do it. The doctor's like, I'm up in UCLA doing like a seminar that day. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I don't want to have another doctor because they said whoever's on staff can do the C-section. I said, well... I don't want another doctor. I've had you through my whole pregnancy. You know what's going on. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of information to just like give another doctor, you know. Um, and also at this point, the social worker, they go through all of your options on um, what do you want to do for your like the stillbirth. Like, what do you want to do? They have this. They have options like, do you want to see her? We could like put her in a blanket, clean her up, make her presentable so you could see her. Um, do you want her footprints? Do you want ha- to have her honored on um, baby bees? Um, what is it called? The little bed, like when they're in the hot, the incubator, they have a program where they put like a purple butterfly in it for like twins that pass 
So there's all these options, which still to this day, I think about it every single day um, that sometimes I wish like I did see her because we ended up deciding not to and we just got her footprints. So I have her footprints in an album. Um, but every day now I look at my daughter in her eyes saying like, I would have had like another baby that looks exactly like you because they're identical twins. So I kind of like see her through her. Um, and we also had her cremated. So I have her ashes in my daughter's room. Um, so yeah, every day I think about it and there's always reminders, you know, like when I was getting my name officially changed, like I went to also get more copies of her birth certificate and on the birth certificate, it says twin. So like that, I was not expecting that. So that's always another reminder. And, you know, I was breaking down at the county recorder's office. Um, but yeah, they have very good support. That's kind of what happened. I had a lot of things happen. Um, so her date of birth ended up being the 25th and, um, I was three days short of being 27 weeks what the doctor recommended, but he said, you know, three days isn't going to make a big difference. And also I forgot to add when I was there, they gave me steroids. So you have to get, um, a steroid when your babies are premature because it helps with their lungs and their breathing. Um, so I was able to get the two doses that's recommended, um, literally right before I had the C-section because they have to be two weeks apart. So since I was in the hospital for a total of three weeks, because after the C-section, I also had to stay like another five days. Yeah. So it was a long stay in the hospital. Like that was very unexpected. Oh my gosh. That, you know, these are the, the type of questions that I would have never asked you if I might have never had this podcast. I'll be quite honest that they're very personal. Um, it's something that no one wants to open up for a mother or a friend or a family member to have to relive. Uh, you have educated us and so many people on the process of what you went through and what others might go through. Um, my heart goes out to you and I have no doubt that your little angel is very near you and your daughter and your husband. And um, you guys have, as a couple and as a family, so much to offer others for going through this. And you being on here today is one of those first steps. But just as a couple that you've gone through that, you're definitely making your 50th anniversary. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> but, you know, that those details you just expressed, I've never heard anyone personally tell me that or have I ever heard someone explain in detail those final moments and decisions that you've had to make. Can I ask you, so... Did your friends and family know, did they find out about baby A um, after you gave birth? Right when we found out, I called my mom first because that was the first appointment she did not go to. And she every single time, she, she would, if she couldn't make it and my husband came instead, because you can't have like two people in the ultrasound room she would say, call me right after, like, I want to know what happened. Call me. And I forgot to mention during this hard time, my husband had a hip replacement surgery. So he you was guys, <laughs> my he gosh. Was yeah. You guys are resilient people. <laughs> yeah. So it was hard. I was trying to, I had to help him like get out of bed, get him dressed, like when I was on bed rest, it was, we were a hot mess. And my mom, my mom would come over and do our laundry and like make our bed. And just, she was always there. So at this point, like he was able to kind of like, he was on a, on crutches and he's like, let me go to this appointment. So when that happened, I called my mom immediately, told her baby Gianna passed. She was of course like bawling and came over right away. 
and we only so we talked about it and it was too hard for me to talk about so my mom wanted to take that off of me she always says like i want to take as much pain away from you as possible so what can i do to help she's like do you want me to tell the family and i said yes please that would be great so she was calling the family members one by one like my grandma my aunt um my brother and immediately after she was calling each family member they were calling me right away so that was hard because i knew why they were calling and it was like me having to explain it all so i kind of had to have her like stop i'm like let's spread it out because i know they're gonna call me um and then we told my husband's family as well that same day and then my best friends that were all planning the baby shower and that were helping i told them the morning of because we all met ahead of time before to like get ready and stuff because i had my makeup done and they helped like set up the decorations and all that so I told them in private um, what had happened. But as far as like everyone else that attended the baby shower, like a couple weeks after I prepared like a long text, like ex like explaining it all, like, you know, it was three days before the baby shower, but I wanted to let you know. And I did like a copy paste, like to all the guests and everyone of course is very supportive um i will say when things like this happen a lot of people are uncomfortable and they don't know what to ask you and they're scared to like bring it up but for me personally like i've been pretty open about it um because like you guys a lot of people have never heard of like ttts or the selective growth restriction um it was all new to me too. Um, so I'm happy to share it. I want people to know what it is. Do you feel like it's therapy to, to say the story more? Cause we've noticed, you know, we had someone who was on with the stillbirth and she said it was harder for people to ignore it. Cause it's like ignoring the baby that existed, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's harder for people to ignore it. And, but to acknowledge is to remember the baby that was lost it's like you bring them back to life so um thank you for solidifying that yeah because the second time someone's mentioned that that has lost a child yeah and i think that you experience something so special and so difficult with celebrating life and mourning and grief at the same time um and i can't imagine having to do both at the same time but you had to um, do you have thoughts on how you were able to deal with both or I'm sure you're still processing and processing all that now? Yeah, I still am. It's almost been a year. I will say the day of the C-section when I was like, after I got the spinal tap and was laying there, I was pretty numb, honestly, that day, like when I saw her coming out and all that, like, it took me a minute to like connect to her really. Like, yeah, I knew she was my baby, but it was like, emotionally, it was hard for me to connect and like, feel like it was real. Because like, I knew two things were coming out, you know? So yeah, like you said, I'm still like every day, like I still have moments, I think about it every single day. And I know like, for women that's probably like the norm because it's our bodies it's coming out like of us and we're connected more versus like you know my husband i don't i'm pretty sure he's not thinking about it every day i've asked him he doesn't think about it every day and so it's hard i feel like in a way like you as women like you kind of go through it alone internally like because i'm thinking about it like every time i get a chance to take a shower that's when I'm really thinking about it. I don't know why it comes to me, but I do. And then looking at her, 
I think about it and I'm just, I'm trying to think of ways to um, remember her sister all the time. And especially as she gets older, like talk to her about it more. And like when she gets at a good age, maybe releasing her ashes, like all together as a family and like doing things like that to honor her. Yeah. But to answer your question, yeah, it's hard to prepare for I mean, it's still so new. Um, and I'm sure as, you know, they say time heals, but we don't forget. But there will be tools that I think you're going to start to adapt that I already see is happening. That once you say, hey, you know, I've gone through this and this is year five, you'll have tools and um, advice to give moms that, you know, once you're on that five-year mark, because you're still processing this. I think what you're going through is absolutely normal. And when you're in the shower, you have that moment to be by yourself, to mm -hmm. have your own feelings and your own thoughts. You have nobody else needing you physically, emotionally, or mentally. So I think it's your right to have that. And if you know that's your moment, I think you should keep having those moments because that's your therapy to yourself. I think that's very healthy that you're acknowledging that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, is are at this point are there is there are there any final thoughts or organizations or any support that you've had since your birth that you can recommend to anyone listening? Yeah, I actually have um there's a website. I think it's just yeah, it's the TTTS Foundation. Um and basically whenever there's uh twins that have like TTTS or SIUGR, there's also something called TAPS and TRAP. They call them daisy babies. So this foundation, um, I believe who started it, they also had the TTTS and they started like planting like flowers in me memory of the babies that had passed. So they call them daisy babies. Um, so that's something true to my heart, like to donate to them. Um, because little by little, like more doctors are starting to learn the surgery for TTTS. And also there's a very good, um, show on Netflix called, um, is it called surgeon's cut? I think it's called surgeon's cut. And there's a, also another doctor that kind of pioneered this surgery, like a long time ago. And this is before they had like the good ultrasound machines and he was just like trying it and it worked. Um, but if you watch that show, like just the first couple episodes, you're going to see him perform that surgery on some women and they're awake and they're talking. It was a little bit different than mine, but it's similar. And then also him, you know, delivering the news about the surgery not working and like mothers going through the same thing that I did. So that show is amazing and very educational on TTTS. Um, so those two things, um, I'm thinking for my daughter's first birthday, like that's what I'm going to ask, like for people to donate to the TTTS foundation. That's amazing. Well, we'll, we'll definitely support you on that. So when you decide that it's time for you and you want to do that for that birthday, please let us support you. Um, we would love to. I'd love to give and we could have other people in our community give as well. So thank you so much for that. We're going to close with our last three questions we give all our guests. And there's one that I don't think that you fucked up yet. <laughs> like, I feel like you've done it all right. So you can just say pass because at this point you're like, well, they don't talk yet. Like, you're not really... But, you know, we say what what's a moment when you, you know, of your of you being a mom that you feel like you fucked up? You know, we all have. But if you haven't gotten there, I, I remember my first year, I was kind of like, nah, I'm not there yet. And I don't think you're there yet. So you could say pass. I mean, I guess I would. I don't know if it's like a fuck up, but like I, I kind of go against all the rules like that they recommend, like no blankets or, you know, all that stuff. Well, my baby loves a blanket on her face and she actually like sleeps with it like over her face, which I was terrified before. I was terrified, but I, I would kind of test it myself. I'm like, I can easily breathe. She can breathe. She's now at an age where like she can move it herself if she wants to, but she's got blankets all in her crib. 
whatever they tell you not to. And I've had some moms, because sometimes I show like a snap of like her uh, crib, you know, from the monitor, like, oh, she's sound asleep. And some people were like, oh my God, I can't believe how many blankets you have in there. Oh my God. <laughs> nope. No one asked you. Hey. I'm like, Loves no one asked for your commentary. Yeah, she's comfortable. Fuck off, you know? Uh, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I'm a blanket girl. You know, I still have my baby blankets, nasty as hell, but I still have it. She might be part of my club. <laughs> she loves a security blanket. Oh, I got mine for sure. Would you like to go for number two? Yeah. Um, can you tell us what or who inspires you? My mom inspires me. She's Yes. Shout out to your mom. Can we talk about how give space for your mom being so amazing, being your like CEO, CFO, COO of your like village. And um, I just loved hearing how much support she was for you. And yes, thank you to moms and grandmas. Yes. And yours specifically. Yes. Yeah. She's very strong. Like best mom but then also like as far as like professional work ethic like she's taught me like everything I know like anytime I need advice about managing someone or you know a strange personality at work or anything with the baby like she has the answers and advice for me so she's this number one I love that that's beautiful um so name one thing you carry in your purse and what that says about you. Or your diaper bag. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or your diaper bag. <laughs> and tell us, is your diaper bag giant? <laughs> it is. I've had to yeah. buy multiple ones to get the right one. Yeah. I'm too. I finally found a good one. But um, I'm trying to think that question is hard because I'm always like changing out my purse and stuff. But I would say like. One consistent thing, I always have like antibacterial, like I'm always wiping everything, like the stroller, the um, shopping carts, always wiping stuff, my hands, like I just don't want those nasty germs on me. I'm one of those moms that like has a cover over the shopping cart and all that, you know? (laughs) So cute. You know what? After what you've been through, Mama, you are allowed yeah. to have those feelings about germs and whatever else. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And knock, knock on wood. Knock on wood. It's just a whole nother conversation about, like, vaccines. Like, she doesn't have anything, but any vaccines right now. But um, she's never been sick. Not even a runny nose or a cold or anything. And she's already 10 months. Wow. Nice. Well, I didn't give my first yeah. vaccines, and, and I did it very spaced out until my kids were one and it was the tetanus just because they were, we live on, you know, the country and if anything was mm-hmm. out there, but yeah, we all have our own beliefs and we, I honor that. I think we all have reasons why we do things the way we do and hurrah to you, hurrah to, hurrah mm-hmm. to you on so many ways. Like yeah. I wish I could give you a hug right now and just kiss all over you and love you. And I am sending my love to you right now. And I just, God, thanks for having us be able to open the door to this part of your life that's not easy. And also, I have to say, you did it with so much grace. Yeah. Because I had a hard time breathing while you were saying what you said. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Thank you. I knew it was going to be tough. And one thing I wanted to end with, too, is... Like really, you have to have faith in like your medical staff and make sure you like them and trust them and do your research. And also, as you know, every pregnancy is so different. So like this has happened to me, but I I actually do want to have another baby. And yes, there's those fears of it happening again, but knowing that every pregnancy is so different, mm-hmm. like you have to have that outlook the positive outlook, like it's going to be okay. You know, yeah, I love your optimism. Yep. I was going to say there's the optimistic. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I, I'm so glad you're brave and that your heart wants another one and you, you and your husband are going to do it and that you're going to do it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Will you keep us posted on how that goes? Mm-hmm. All right. We'll be nosy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. So, so much. If you'd like to keep up with the latest, see more shenanigans, or just connect with us, go to Instagram, where you'll find us at Real Motherfuckers Podcast. And also, if you'd like to see some real juicy mama boobs, you can see it in action on YouTube, also at Real Motherfuckers Podcast. And enough with the free Costco samples. You can start paying up. Actually, you can also just support us monetarily on Patreon, where you'll get some more cool exclusive content. And you can find us there at Real Motherfucker Fuckers Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we fuck up on this show. Yeah. Nothing's perfect. Hence the name. <laughs>